podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another Media Matters special with Anfield Index. Ladies and gentlemen, the Reds are second in the league. They're only a point behind the leaders, Manchester City. They won against Brentford handsomely at the weekend. And in a couple of weeks, there's a big one coming up, as we all know as well. So, as usual, I'm delighted to be joined by the renowned and the respected David Lynch. David, how are we? Yeah, good. Good to be coming back on with a win this time. A bit more positivity into this one. So nice to bounce into the international break with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it could have been a long two weeks. But (laughs) unfortunately, it's not. There is plenty to to get stuck into. And it seems the best place is to go right back to yesterday's Brentford game. I mean, a 3-0, a Salah double, Jota with that curler into the bottom corner. And... Probably the biggest thing I take from the game as well, so many positives, so many good performance that, you know, people we can really eulogise about as well. I mean, am I getting too excited? Was the performance that good or did you think, no, we were really good yesterday? Yeah, I, th- I think it was that good. I think um, what sort of surprised me when I when I got home for the matches, I sort of had a, a little look on, on Twitter and I saw the, the XG count from the match. Actually, It was quite even, wasn't it? Which, which really yeah. sort of, surprised me because you know a lot of the time you, you come away and you look at that and it does tend to tally with what you've seen but I think this match obviously the, the even XG count I, I actually don't think that was a fair reflection of the match and I think it shows you that there are some pitfalls to just going you know using XG as a match on a match by match basis it's just a better when you, you take a wider view on that because um, for this match in particular, I think those two disallowed goals that, that Liverpool get that you know yeah. one of them in particular is really marginal you know, they're not reflected in those numbers at all. And, and and so you don't get an idea of how much Liverpool were sort of dominating the space and, and particularly in the second half, the, the way in which they controlled Brentford's counter-attack. And I think I think the biggest XG actually Brentford get is is near the end when, when Liverpool are already 3-0 up. So there's, there's real, you know, a game state effect there as well. So for me, you know, coming away from the game, certainly before I saw those numbers, I thought, Liverpool is a consummate performance, mostly controlled, particularly in the second half. I thought they they really, really sort of put the foot down on, on Brentford's throat. And I thought, yeah, loads of encouragement, loads of good performances in there and a, a totally deserved for me 3-0 win. As, as good as Brentford were in parts, I thought Liverpool were much better in the end and, and deserved to win by that scoreline, really. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and even on the the highlights, which we know Sky Match of the Day, etc. Tuesday, they showed the few breakaways, maybe from corners, that thing. But it, it did feel like overall, it really was a a good, a dominant performance. And I mean, another clean sheet, which is great. We are we've conceded the least goals in the league now as well. You know, we're, we're scoring them from the the forward line, the midfield. There is so many we could eulogise, but if you had to pick one man of the match, who were you sort of focusing on for that one? Yeah, I, th- I think the standout was was Virgil Van Dijk, and I know we're going to talk about him in a bit, so I won't I won't get stuck into him too much. But I, I mean, he was just he was just fantastic. It was it was quite quite clear the man of the match for me. But I think the fact that it it, it was good that there were a few other contenders in there as well. I, I loved so much about Darwin Nunez's performance. I thought. Cody Gakpo was quietly quite good as well, particularly because he was he was occupying a role that is you know he's not a midfielder, is he? He's, he right. is a forward, and uh, I thought he did a really really good job in there on the quiet in terms of he won more duels than any other midfielder, um, which you know that that is an achievement really when you're coming in and you're not the orthodox midfielder there, and winning duels has actually been a bit of a problem for Liverpool recently. Yeah. So for him, he really really stuck to the task there, and I thought. In the absence of Alexis McAllister, he actually was a big part of Liverpool getting the ball up the pitch. It was having, okay, if you don't have someone who can pick the passes through the lines quite as nicely as McAllister, it's good to have someone who can take the ball in ugly situations almost and fend people off. So I kind of liked a lot about Gakpo's performance in that. And yeah, like I said, Nunes is another one. Um, Doesn't get the goal, quite unlucky really. A really toenail offside denies him a goal, but he gets the assist brilliantly. I thought... Some of his play and his, his link-up play. I mean, Jurgen Klopp talks about it in the in the post-match and, and says, you know, just how who could have seen this coming in terms of how good he plays in build-up, and he, he's absolutely right to say that. I thought he was he was so so good in that element of his game, which has been a weakness in the past. Um, just yeah, loving watching him play at the moment. If he and I said to I turned to Neil Jones during the game actually and said about him, you know, if he cuts out even fifty percent of those sort of those truly shocking misses that he makes, then you're talking about one of the best forwards in, in world football at the moment. I think, you know, if he just cut, cuts even half of those out, then we, we really are looking at an absolutely ludicrous player because he's playing at a, a very, very high level at the moment. Yeah, it, it really does seem that way. Like the goals and the assists, importantly, that link up with Salah. I mean, someone put a great tweet on earlier as well that said, if the name on the shirt yesterday was nine Firmino, we'd all be eulogising about that overall performance and the link, the assist, all the bits. It really does seem like he's gone up a level. And I know we've talked about this in the past, that obviously the forward line, it does seem like it was Salah and two others. Now it's got that feeling of Salah, Nunes and one other. Now, and maybe this is going too far and you correct me, because it does feel like at the moment, maybe the the unsung hero, I mean, Jota scores a great goal yesterday. That's eight for the season, so he's our second top scorer. You know, his numbers are outrageous. They really are sort of the goal contributions per minute as well. Is it too far to look at it and say, it's Salah, Nunes, Jota at the moment, or... Is that right for the current moment? Is that fair to say? Well, I, I think the two are nailed down in Salah and, and Nunez at the moment. I think it would be foolish to, to drop them given the form they're in and the, the fact that they link up so well. I think those, those positions are definitely nailed down. But the left-hand side, I think it's almost sort of a, a horses for courses type thing at the moment. I mean, yeah. no one's really sort of snatched it. I think, you know, Diaz in the early part of the season was definitely the go-to man there. But I think Joss has just come back with his form and, and he's showing that he deserves to be in consideration. But I think... It's going to be one where the manager sort of picks it on a game by game basis up until the point that someone makes themselves completely undroppable. I thought it was kind of interesting. He alluded to sort of a part of his selection yesterday was 
you know, Elliot and, and Diaz come on late on and he said, you know, he yeah, says yeah. that I, I don't use them because they're not aerial specialists. And that's, that's a good point, I think, for him to make, especially against a team like Brentford. They're so big. And although Joss is not the biggest, he's actually really good in terms of, you know, it, it, aerially. He gets up and that helps defending set pieces. Even if he's front post, he can he can get up and get the ball away and he can challenge in the area at the other end of the pitch as well. So I think he's got that over Diaz. I think what you've seen in some recent games is that the thing he lacks compared to Diaz is, I think we've seen this in recent games that Liverpool have not been great, is that when the ball, he's not great when the ball's fired into him and he, he's expected to hold it up and get the ball up the pitch in that way, which is something that's a real strength for Salah as a, as a sort of comparison. Um, but Diaz is much better at that. So, you know, and, and I would say Diaz is, a, you know, takes care of the ball a little bit better, even though he's less of a goal threat than Jota. So I think it's very much sort of a, you know, what do I need for this game? I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, going to City away next up. That for me, although Jota, you'd love to have him in with his goal threat and, and, and getting goals on the counter. I think it's a game where you really need to look after the ball whenever you've got it because it's it's hard to get it off Man City and, and you need someone with Diaz who, again, I think he's maybe a slightly better presser maybe. Um, he's just he's just more of a midfielder than a forward in comparison, even though they're both forwards. And I think I think that's maybe something that will come into the manager's thinking when he's selecting his team for different games. You know, very much a Brent, Brentford is a Jota game, but maybe City is a Diaz game. And I think it's just going to work like that at the moment until, like I say, someone maybe just sort of nails that position down. Yeah, it probably is right horses for courses, but it, the options seem brilliant at the moment. They really do, and. Speaking of options, there was a bit of a a bit of a lack of them at times yesterday, wasn't the paucity? Especially when that that team news came out, I think a lot of us were like Canate, Gomez. Where have they gone? The outside hopes of maybe Gravenberg getting back didn't come to fruition. I mean, the injury list is the only sort of negative. It just seems to be slightly piling at the moment. I mean, can you give us any good news about sort of Gomez Canate, or should we be bracing ourselves for? what we might have to do against City. Yeah, so G- Gomez was described to me as a minor one, Canate as well, um, Gravenberg and, and Jones. That So effectively sort of, I'd say three out of the four there would would almost, you know, you'd, you'd put money on them being back after the international break. That was the, the vibe I was given. The one maybe doubt is Canate. We have to see with a, you know, hamstring injury. You don't want to yeah. push on that. You don't want to. You don't want to push anyone back too early. And it's very much a sort of wait and see in terms of how that heals, how he feels, and then you know, can he can he run? Can he sprint? You know, you don't. You do not take risks with those ones. So I, I think Canate is maybe because it's a hamstring injury is, is is probably the biggest out there. But the other three, I would expect to be back and and be in the squad for City, which is a which is a boost because you don't want those injuries piling up. You've already got Thiago, Bicetic, um, uh, Robertson is also out, of course. So not none of those guys will be will be back after the break. I don't think, but you don't want to be adding to those with further injuries. So hopefully. Hopefully, get all four back for for after the international break. But like I say, Canate is the one because it's just the nature of hamstring injuries. But it, it's good news, really. I think because you know, once those injuries start to pile up and, and you've got two games a week, it makes that rotation harder. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you get injuries on top of injuries on top of injuries, and it, it it sort of spirals out of control. We've seen that in in recent seasons. So hopefully, we can get the good chunk of those guys back for the for the game after the international break and have a, another good run of decent fitness because I think Liverpool have done okay for injuries in this early part of the season True. and certainly better than some of the other sides around them who, who seem to be getting a, a lot of them so uh, hopefully that can continue because it's it's such a massive part of you know why Liverpool struggled last season it went almost under the radar they got a lot of injuries and and injuries in key positions and it it just you know that was a big part of why they were so poor so hopefully they can avoid that 
Yeah, because Jurgen Klopp's talked about it as well, like the periods up to this and then after that City game, all the way through to sort of New Year, it is a it's a crazy fixture list with the Europa, the Carabao Cup, all those things. So, yeah, it's, it's maybe unfair to say this, but it almost fits with Canate. I mean, there's been question marks around Gomez, Matip, their fitness. Is the... Is it right that a few fans are just starting to maybe just question is Canate in that mould? Because it does seem to get a lot of minor strains, if that makes sense, already this season. Is it right to have those concerns, especially from a centre-half, do you think? Yeah, I think it's fair because I think the, the nature of the injuries he's getting, he's getting consistent muscle injuries. And that is, you know, those are the types of injuries that when, when a player is getting those, that they do tend to get them consistently. And then that becomes, you know, the, 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 all of a sudden you're missing sort of 20 games in a season through little niggles here and there. And it, it, it it's frustrating. And I think, you know, when Liverpool's availability record at centre-half, Virgil van Dijk aside, touch wood, is, is, is generally poor already, you know, you, to, to have... Another option who's showing signs of being injury prone, it, 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 it's difficult and it makes it difficult for the manager. I think that's one thing that's going to come into the thinking that, you know, we expect Joel Matic to depart at the end of this season. And, you know, I think he's been come back to form, by the way, this season. I think yeah. him and Gomez have been absolutely fantastic when they were called on Matic. Uh, you know, really deserves praise for his performance yesterday, by the way. I thought it was, he was sensational alongside Van Dijk, who, who makes it easier, but still, there's a job to be done there and he does it. Um, but I think when, when Liverpool moved to replace Matic, they really high, high on the list. There's got to be the, the fact that this defender has got to be robust. They've got to be someone who's got a, a strong track record of availability because they've, you know, Joe Gomez, we expect to stick around. He's, he's only recently signed a new contract. Vir, Virgil van Dijk's getting older. And it, I just think Liverpool need an option there. And, and we know what we know about Canati. So I just think Liverpool need an option who's going to be there week in, week out, whether that's, into the first team, but just just be available, be a part of the squad, and, and be there to be ready if if you need to be called upon. Because we we know there's just there's real issues with availability there, and 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 they really you know they, they hit Liverpool quite hard really yesterday, even though they, they sort of got away with it. Yeah, indeed, and like you said, it's just when even when we looked at the midfield in the summer, wasn't it? It was the Bosline, McAllister, reliable. The availability, it's got to be such a such a factor in that decision. But I mean, defence wise. If there was an example of the difference, if we look back to Toulouse the, the other day and then like Virgil van Dijk, absolutely imperious. I mean, the captain's becoming the captain. It just seems to be an, an upward trajectory. So a, a marked difference to what we saw last campaign. I mean, when, you, when we sort of look at it, in the, and it might just be too easy to go the contrast between the two, how good would you actually say he's been this season for you? I'd say he's been the best centre half in the in the Premier League, quite quite comfortably. To be honest, that you know the, the fact that Liverpool have the best defensive record, I mean, there's almost like a an idea that Liverpool are, are terrible defensively at the moment. Yeah, they don't concede goals. I mean, you you are going to give up chances at times. You can't completely keep out a Premier League opposition. It's it's going to be very rare that you get a game where you the opposition have zero shots or zero even moments of risk. You, you can't do that. But Virgil Van Dijk puts them in a position where Liverpool do give up very much, very little at the minute. And I think, you know, he's just, if anything comes about around it in that defence, it's nowhere near him at the moment. He, he really is, for me, he's, he's, he's back to sort of peak levels. And I think there was a moment actually in the game yesterday that really sort of hammered that home to me. And it's when a ball goes in behind and Nubuemo looks like he's favourite for it. And Van Dijk just yeah. absolutely burns him off and just puts his shoulder in. He's stronger, he's quicker. 
He gets there, he knows, you know, he, he's not clumsy in the challenge at all. He's so controlled. And I was just like, it reminded me a lot of actually, I remember going to Salzburg away in the Champions League and, and, and Harlan thinks he gets, he, he's getting in, in behind with the ball and, and Van Dijk all of a sudden just, just burns him off and kills him and just start, just gets the ball out of play. And it, it really reminded me of that. And that was Virgil van Dijk operating at the peak of his powers. And I think we're seeing a similar level again I think he's just yeah he's right back there and I think he's helped definitely by you know I think he was he wasn't helped by the quadruple season and the the emotional and physical drain of that but I also think having a midfield in front of him that kind of functions as well is a is a big part of it you know he's he's a superhero he's incredible but he can't do everything he can't fight every fire and Liverpool were asking him to do that too much last season so now he's got some stability and insanity in front of him I think we're back to seeing the best of him and he's yeah he's a phenomenal possibly still the best centre-half in the world at the moment definitely in the Premier League for me yeah and all the stats back that up as well I mean the craziest thing or maybe the sad thing is he is a, he will be 33 in the summer so he's not that young and then there is that element that when we're talking about the defensive rebuild he has only got or will only have 12 months left on his deal in the summer for you, is this an easy renew? Long term, I say long term. How long do you give someone at thirty three? But with his stature, it might not be the easiest one. But it's a renew, surely. Yeah, it's a no brainer for me. I think you know if he's going to be thirty three in the summer, and you're looking at it, you know, do you, do you give him another two or three years? I think you know he'd probably be happy. But a three year contract for me, you know, the, the way centre half played the game. I, I know we're talking about his physical qualities and his pace, but he he's also a phenomenal reader of the game, and I, I don't see signs that he's massively losing his pace anyway. You know, I, I don't think that that's going to be a problem for him in terms of you know I think he can get to thirty five, thirty six, and still show some some signs of pace and still be that sort of physical monster in the way that he is and 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 he's so, he's so class in all elements of the game that you know he's such an intelligent player that I don't I just don't think it's going to be an issue for him to to have him sticking around for for quite a while longer because centre-halves can play a lot longer we're seeing Thiago Silva at the moment yeah. doing really well still in the Premier League and you know Virgil van Dijk is is probably for me is it reached higher levels than Thiago Silva in his career and I think so can probably sustain it longer as well so um, yeah, I would, I would definitely like to see him get given a contract. I think that's going to be the approach Liverpool will take because even if you think, okay, well, in a couple of years' time, he's not going to be fit first choice, should we be giving him a three-year contract? I still think, well, to have him around the squad, to have him playing the odd game, he's still going to be playing at a very, very high level. Um, he, he, you know, he's a class act. So, yeah, it, it's a no-brainer for me. And I, th- I think Liverpool will see it in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And especially like with the younger ones coming through, like Kwanzaa, such a valuable mentor. And even yesterday, like you're saying, it was great to see the sort of the raking diagonals were back at times, weren't they, to Salah and across the pitch. So, yeah, funnily enough, it tends to be when Virgil's at top form, Liverpool tend to do well at the same time. So let's hope it continues. And probably the the only contrast, because I was thinking it's, it's a good point sort of analysing the season as we hit this international break ahead of the big one. I know you, you've probably clocked it as well. The home and away form seems markedly different at times, not across the board, you know, it's fair to say, but I mean, at home, the, the great results, it used to be 3-1, but now it's 3-0 yesterday, you know, great results. But away, people will look at the Luton, they'll look at the Toulouse and just say, is it that the issues against the, the lower team, so to speak? Why do you think there is such a marked difference for Liverpool at, at home and away? Is, is it just a mentality thing? Is that too simple or is it something you think Jurgen Klopp will be looking at? I, th- I think part of it is that, that Liverpool is so strong at home. So it sort of emphasises that if they're not quite there away from home, it, it makes it look, you know, it, it sort of stands out. But I think, 
you know, the further we get away from that Luton game, I'm, I'm maybe less sort of critical about that in terms of, you know, you look at the chances Liverpool create in another day, if even one of those goes in, yeah. you probably win that game quite comfortably. Um, you know, they, they end up pinching a late equaliser. But in reality, they, they did limit Luton to very, very little apart from the goal, didn't they? And I mean, you know, it was the first time they really got away and made it a real, you know, real incisive attack. Um, and Liverpool's XG sort of reflects the fact that they were just camped in the Luton box for 90% of the game. So, you know, the further away we get from that, I think it's just one of those sort of freak results. I think, you know, you also consider the, the other away defeat, Tottenham, Again, you know, eleven v eleven, Liverpool were, were dominant in that game. They were, they were, they were, they were all over Tottenham. And I think, you know, then the, the red card happens, that changes things. Then another red card. You know, even ten v eleven, Liverpool were doing really well. So I just think the, the circumstances are coming together sometimes, and, and maybe the, the the way the way record isn't maybe an accurate reflection of how they're sort of playing in some of those games. And I think I think right. there's definitely improvements to come, but I think we will see that. I think you know, Jurgen Klopp teams tend to improve as the season goes on and I think we'll see that in terms of the away record and they are still working some things out in midfield at the moment I think once that sort of clicks and I do expect it to click and we've seen it click in some games then I think that's going to make them a lot stronger from away from home and I think I think we will see that as the season progresses that they'll they'll get better they'll get better on that front and and get better away from home and what what I want to talk actually about the the Toulouse one because yeah I think I said in this pod actually when we were sort of reflecting on the game that that I, it reminded me a lot of the Red Star Belgrade away game on route to Champions League final. And I actually saw the quote from Jurgen Klopp saying the, the very same thing actually yesterday. Uh, the sort of, you know, in, in seasons where we were really dominant, we, we lost at Red Star Belgrade and people forget that. Um, so he obviously listens to this podcast, so he's, he's very wise. Um, but, it, you know, it, I think he sees that game in a sort of similar ways in almost one that you can think, uh, we made we made nine changes. We just didn't play very well. We had we were up against a team who needed to win and 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 had an incredible atmosphere behind them. And even so, we probably we scored a goal at the end that, that got choked off and probably shouldn't have been as well. It should have been three three. So, you know, I think that's just there's a few anomalies in in this away record, is what I'm saying. And, and though I expect improvement, I also think that it's perhaps not as bad as it sort of looks results wise. And I, I, yeah, I think, I think Liverpool will be all right away from home. Eventually it's, you just need to get on a little run there and, and get that confidence. And, and as I say, the tweaks, the midfield, then it will, it'll all come together. And then if they're good home and good away, then that's a, that's a side that can t- uh, challenge for the title and, and any sort of honours really this season. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with libertyshield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today 
and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, absolutely. And you're probably right because also that cumulative effect because Luton's followed by Toulouse and obviously the reaction will be so. But at the same time, if someone had probably offered us a, listen, you couldn't get the three points against Brentford ahead of the international break, Toulouse, not not to minimise any defeat, but we're top of that group. We're still expected to win it comfortably. So yeah, uh, a lot of rotation that way as well. And probably speaking of a lot of focusing towards certain games, you know the build-up's going to be towards City, isn't it? And this this huge game in less than two weeks, the Saturday half 12, which Jürgen's made his feelings clear on already, which I think we all know as well. And yesterday, we looked at it and we saw City. We won, but City, four all. City conceding four goals. Chelsea having chances. I mean, this is what I want to ask you, but I want to shape it in the right way because... There's naturally going to be some of the fan base that are like, I'll take a point there right now. No problem at all. It's a difficult place to go. But then there's going to be the other side of, hang on, they shipped four to Chelsea who haven't been that good. Look at the chances they gave up. I think Gusto put that ball over, didn't he, yesterday? Jackson missed a few one-on-ones. Which camp do you sit in? Are you thinking a point's still good or we can really take these? How are you seeing this at the moment? Yeah, I think a point's still good, to be honest. I'm very much always of that mindset. I think if you go to the Etihad, it's it's always going to be difficult. And, and yeah, I, I think a point is always good. But I think you know, Liverpool can take encouragement from what they've seen there. You know, Chelsea, it wasn't, it wasn't a fluke that they scored the four goals. They didn't have four shots and scored four goals. It was, yeah. you know, they, they were carving them open. And Chelsea have been absolutely turgid going forward this season. So, you know, you think about the way Liverpool attack and how dangerous they are and the options they've got coming off the bench in attack as well late in games, you know, they, they should sniff some goals out there. But, you know, equally, you've got you, you've got to sort of limit your expectations slightly because, you know, that that's a rare off day for City that we saw yesterday. It's not like the leaking goals consistently every week. You know, they had the best defence in the Premier League up until yesterday. Um, and now they've just slipped behind Arsenal and Liverpool. So that is a bit of an aberration, that game. So... But I think, you know, they've got they've got to think that the, the, there's going to be chances for them there. I mean, against any side, Liverpool will make chances. And I think particularly the way City play in terms of they're going to try and push on and, and, and push Liverpool yeah. back and camp in. And Liverpool have just got to get quick attackers on the pitch you can hit on the counter. And I think, you know, they, they've definitely, definitely got that. They've got the ability to hurt Manchester City without a doubt. Um, I think a key thing is that you know, with the internationals going on and and I'm not sure about the timings actually I need to look at this, but can you get Darwin Nunes on that pitch? Because I think Liverpool, it's so vital, I think, that he starts this game because I think not only because of the form he's in, but I just think to have him on the counter there is is just massive. He, he's so he's so deadly at getting chances and, and his movement in behind is is massive against a, a, a City's defence that in the last game had showed some signs of disorganisation. And I think... Although he's been sort of criticised, I, I kind of would love to see Alexis McAllister start as well. I just think his ability in terms of firing the ball between the between the lines, I don't think Liverpool are going to go there and be as solid as people want in midfield. They're not going to completely dominate in that position like they did when, say, a Fabinho was in his peak. But I think what Alexis McAllister gives you on the ball and in terms of firing balls through the lines, like I say, and I, I think it's just so vital that those South Americans can be involved. And I really... I really hope that, that Liverpool can sort that and they can get them back in time to, to be in condition to start this game because I think I think both of them are crucial in different ways. But yeah, it, it's 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 good. it's going to be an exciting game and 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 like I say, I would take a point, but I, but I think there's there's opportunities there for Liverpool to to hurt City, particularly with the you know the, the strengths and weaknesses that match up in Liverpool's yeah. favour. I think so. 
let's hope we can do something with it. It's an interesting, and I'll be honest, I'm still swithering. Do you think, and it might not just be as simple as yesterday, but based on yesterday, do you think there will be a part of Jurgen Klopp's, and we'll come on to the, the lineup and who we think will get the, the nod, but from the setup, do you think with the question marks maybe over the, the left back of McAllister at six, do you think rather than sitting off and counter-attack, do you think there'll be a part of Jurgen that's looking at it now and thinking, maybe we just have a go at these? Because Chelsea did have a right go at them yesterday and got real joy. Do you think, not that it'll be all out attack, but is that going to come into his thinking, do you believe? Um, I it, it, it's definitely a possibility because you think, uh, you know, think about that game. Was it the one that finished two all when when Liverpool started yeah, the game yeah. before four forwards on the pitch? Mm. Um, you know, so he's he's got he's got previous for it, and maybe you think as well on the back of the international break that you know City two will have a few players who've been jetting all over the world and, and maybe will not be quite at their organised best. They're going to have limited training time the way that Liverpool will, and that. To me, that almost sort of falls into the away team's favour because in a game like that, Liverpool, what they're expected to do is sort of soak up a little bit of pressure, hit on the counter. That That is how you would yeah. think they're going to go into it. Um, but for City, they have to be the dominant side. They have to push on. They have to, you know, the, the expectation is that they will do that at home. So that for me is why I think Jürgen Klopp will go in that counter-attacking sort of ra- rather than going for the sort of all-out attack and, and, and going in that way. I think why I think he'll go for the sort of sit deeper and sort of try and soak it up and hit on the counters because I think he'll think City's organisation is not going to be its absolute top level for this game because of those inter- the international break and it being a 12.30. And if you're the t- side who's making the game a little bit dirty and trying to hit on the counter, that's always easier. You know, Liverpool have found that themselves when they've gone into 12.30 games after international breaks that they're always the side who's expected to dominate and it's yeah. much harder with that tight turnaround. So, Hopefully that that plays into Liverpool's hands, and as I say, I think that that will maybe be the approach is to try and try and hit on the counter rather than going all you know full out attack. Is, is just make it make it a little bit sticky for for, for City and, and congest the pitch as much as possible, and then bang, get on the attack if they can. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, and even with whichever tactics, you'll probably know that there's some big calls that people will be debating who starts. So I wanted to ask you a few of these and where you think you'll steer the. The biggest one that keeps coming up, and you know this understandably, the left-back situation, because Gomez got the nod, didn't he, against Luton? So people maybe took that as something. Simicast back in uh, to lose, and then actually played again against Brentford. And to be fair to him, got two assists. There was talk about the, the praise being as loud as the criticism. There's the other side of people who are just thinking, Simicast away at City as well. You, you know, I'm sure you've seen the comments. Who... Does your gut tell you he's going to get the nod for that one? Do you think he will back Costas or was that a sign at Luton with Gomez going in there? Yeah, I, I remember at the time, we, I think we spoke about it, maybe not even on the pod, I think we were just chatting about it, but it was the time he made the call of putting Gomez in at Luton. I, I maybe didn't think about the, the City thing. I thought, you know, this is a Luton-specific thing. He's trying mm-hmm. to stop Townsend cutting in and, and adding a bit of height as well to a defence that's going to get peppered with some long balls. Um, but I think, you know, on the basis of the sort of past three or four performances and how that's worked out. You know, I, I am sort of maybe leaning towards Gomez being in there against Manchester City because I think I think Simicast had to start against Brentford yesterday. I think when Liverpool are at home, they need a guy who can cross the ball, can get down yeah, the outside, yeah. can can pull defences apart because he's he's providing that width within and the left footedness that you need down that side. Um, I thought he was important to start in the game and I thought he did really, really well and deserves to be praised for for his performance because as you say, he's been he's had a lot of criticism. For me, 
I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in just talking about Simicast, but mm. you know, he's as good a backup left back as you were going to get. You know, I, I think so, people forget that. It's, I've seen people talking about signing Eight Nori to come and be Liverpool's back. He doesn't want to be Liverpool's backup left back. If Eight Nori moves, he'll move to a big club where he'll be the, the first choice. He's not going to sit behind Andy Robertson. So you, you're going to end up with someone with a few weaknesses. And yes, Simakas has got them. But I thought you come in yesterday and he, he showed why he deserves to be part of this Liverpool squad. For your, your backup left back to come in, help keep clean, clean sheet and also get two assists. Marvellous performance. So well, well done to Costas. Anyway, <laughs> away from that, I, I think against City, because as I say, Liverpool, rather than you know trying to pull City apart in terms of camping in their half and and, and, don't, and trying to pick holes in them and, and trying to create width in their formation. I don't I don't think you necessarily need Simakas. I think you probably you're okay to so to say Gomez at left back, whoever's going to be be on his side is probably going to be cutting in on the onto their left foot and, and so he can yeah. go with them. That works on the defensive side of things and on the attacking side of things, as I say, I think it's going to be fast counters. I think that's how Liverpool are going to look to hurt him. So I think, you know, you don't necessarily need a left back who's going to hold all the width and, 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 and fire down the outside. I just think get the ball up, up to the forwards as quickly as possible. And they almost do the work themselves. We've seen that with Firmino, Salah and Mane. They used to, you know, they used to basically do it on their own in 3v3s. And, and that's all Liverpool are trying to create. And I don't think you necessarily need an orthodox left back to do that. So for me, I think maybe it's going to be Joe Gomez for this one because it suits on the defensive and the attacking side, really. And it makes it because Brentford at home is a completely different beast to City away, a completely yeah. different game. And I mean, midfield, I know you said, and understandably, I'd, I'd be the same, McAllister at the six. Again, it's probably going to depend on availability. Hopefully they're all available. So it's a bit of that selection headache in a great way. I suppose Zabozla is always going to be one, but it's a step back to that Jones-Gravenberg debate because Gravenberg's been in form, you know, he's, he's really done well. In, in this stretch, Jones has had his injuries, but obviously Curtis's underlying defensive numbers in this one are so good. Where are you sort of swaying on this one for that midfield spot? Yeah, I, we, we said, didn't we, in terms of Gravenberg, that I thought he, he should keep the shirt up until the point he gets an injury or suspension and or Jones really pushes to, to thing him in. But I think because he's had the injury now and he's not directly in the team at the moment as it stands, I think maybe we'll, we'll see Curtis Jones come back for this one. I think there's been... You know, even even with Liverpool, even yesterday, actually, Liverpool didn't actually win a lot of duels in midfield. And that's been yeah. a bit of a theme for the last couple of games. Um, and it's not something you're going to continually get away with. Uh, even though I thought Liverpool played well, that was a bit of a feature of the midfield play yesterday. So I think, you know, for me, Curtis Jones, he wins his duels. And I think, you know, the manager going into a big game, probably well, definitely your toughest, your toughest game of the entire Premier League season. Um, Gravenberg been very impressive since he's come in but I think it, it's just a game where you know th- there are still elements of his game that he's adapting and, and learning about the system and I think you've got a choice there between two players who aren't in the starting 11 at the moment neither of them started against Brentford I just think if Jones is back he's been around this manager for such a long time he knows the job he knows exactly what it's like to play in this sort of game and, and as I say, he wins his duels. He, he gives better protection to McAllister in the six as things stand. Um, I'm sure Gravenberg will get there eventually, but it's early days for him. Um, so I just think for me, it's, it's got to be, if he's fit, got to be Curtis Jones in here. I think it just brings that necessary balance to midfield and and, and, he, and he, he's ridiculous at retaining possession as well. So I, And I think that is when Liverpool have got it. They've Very got sure. to keep it. So I, I, for me, you know, I think Gravenberg will, will definitely be a starter in these games eventually, but I think... It's still early days for him, so go with the man that you trust, and, and that, that will surely be for the manager. We'll probably see Curtis Jones as that man. 
and it listen if they're all fit, you know, one's coming off the bench later on, one legs type of thing. So a great sub to have. I mean, the forward lines are an interesting one. Like you said, it, 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 we've got five great options, and it's always going to be Salah and two others for this one, no doubt. Is there any temptation to revert to default? What I mean by that. Could this be one where he looks and says, actually, Gapo back in the nine ahead of Nunes? And obviously, Jota's going to be, well, listen, I'm firing. Look, I've got eight goals and 16. But as I know you've alluded to it. Luis Diaz probably is a better, almost a midfielder type, holding the ball. Diaz then over Jota and Nunes keeping the shirt for you? Yeah, I think, I think, like I said earlier, I think with Diaz, I think it's probably he's going to be better coming short to get you up to- because what's going to need to happen is Liverpool are going to fire the ball up front. It's going to be a 1v1 defender backing in and you've got to turn out and then get the ball in behind. We've seen, you know, Liverpool do it a lot with, it's usually into Salah. He turns out, Nunes is already on his bike, fire the ball in behind. Diaz, we want, we need, I think you need to have Diaz doing that on the other side. And I think he's better at that than Jota. Jota, sometimes the defenders can outmuscle him. They can get in front of him. He's not great at taking care of the ball. And so, you know, Liverpool will maybe miss his goal threat on that left hand side. And when the ball's in, in the city box, you, you prefer Jota to be on the end of it. But I think Diaz for getting the ball up the pitch and getting Liverpool on quick counters, I think he's a, a better fit for that. So I want to see him there. And in the centre forward role, again, has to be Nunes for me. I think, you know, the, the one reason you would ever go Gakpo is because he's pressing and his, his ability to look after the ball with, with previously was superior. But I think that, you know, times have changed now. Nunez is doing all that. He's added all that to his game and he's unbelievable pace and behind and, and, and goal threat. Uh, you just can't, you, you know, you would miss that against Manchester City. They're, they're going to hold that high line and he could, he could absolutely, you know, if Liverpool, everything comes together for them, he could absolutely tear them apart with that high line. So that's the hope. And I, I think that's why you've got to start Nunez. But, you know, if that is the starting front three, Jota and, and, and Gakpo definitely got a, a role to play off the bench. You know, what what incredible substitutes they are. So, um, yeah, that would be my, my starting three, yeah. Yeah, it will, will be an interesting one. And yeah, fingers crossed there is an international break. So what is available is hopefully a fully fit squad. But yeah, touch water, fingers crossed, everything with that one. And the final part of the show, the sort of subscribers' questions that are coming through, you could probably guess, David, with January not too far away, the 5,000 questions that we've had through. And I won't just throw the names of people have asked me to you, so I won't just go, what about Beraldo and that's it, all the types of things. It's probably the, the key recurring theme that we're seeing, and I get this question. It's not, it's not a fear, that's wrong to say, but it's awfully quiet on the defensive and the midfield front, as our you know listener subscribers are saying, that since that Andre sort of story has been killed, essentially, or does it seem that it's a strong link? There's no other names really popping up as alternatives. And even in the back line, there might be the odd, but it's not like substantiated or the stronger links like there were with Andre. Probably the, the easiest question to ask, but it's probably not the easiest one to answer. Are we expecting it to be a a disappointingly quiet January for Liverpool. Is that what you think it could be? That seems to be the fear amongst many. I mean, I'd never, I'd never say never because Liverpool make absolute mugs of us, and I, I, you know, I, I'd never pretend that I have the absolute intimate knowledge of definitely what they're going to do because they just, you know, it, it, they're incredible at keeping a lot of that stuff on lockdown. So, I, you know, I will admit that I know what I know, and I tend to write whatever I know. So everyone else will will see it. Um, I don't don't hold on to a lot to be honest, but. Um, so, so like I say, you know, anything could sort of happen on that front. But I, but I would say, you know, there was a real clamour for for signs, more signings to be made at the end of the summer window. But I think, yeah. you know, 
would it not be fair to say that that Liverpool haven't looked quite strong in in the areas that that I, I, I suppose the the one question mark was really was that the, the defense was one of the issues, wasn't it? And I think Jarrell Quance has come through and shown that he's a genuine option in that position. I think I still think it's an, it's somewhere Liverpool will strengthen in the summer because I think Joel Matip's yeah. contract is going to be up, so they're probably going to need something there. But I think at the moment, I don't. I just don't look at Liverpool and think that they're massively light in defence. I, I don't think that's a, an area that they're really struggling. And then the other area, of course, was was holding midfield. And I know Andre got linked, didn't he? And I, I wrote the piece, uh, was it last week, to, to say that he's not going to be a target for this January. But, uh, you know, the, the way it was put to me was that, you know, that, that link was effectively killed as soon as Endo came to the club. So there's obviously a belief that Endo can be something more than he is at the moment. Um, you know, I thought a bit of a mixed performance from him yesterday, but there's obviously a belief there or they wouldn't have signed him. You know, it's like the talk around sort of can Liverpool sign this left back when they just put Costas Simakas on a new deal. It, it, it's just not realistic and it's not going to happen. And I think again, in midfield, Okay, the, the injuries and suspensions piled up a little bit recently, but again, after the international break, we accept we expect that that will subside a little, and, and Liverpool will look really, really strong again for numbers and quality. I would say in, in central midfield. So again, I, I'm not sure it's a, a desperate need at the moment. I mean, I, we spoke before. I think I, I would love Liverpool eventually at some point to to sign a, a, an orthodox cent- a defensive midfielder. I, I, yeah. You know, if it does prove to be the case that Endo quite, can't quite reach the level or that. McAllister never quite looks as comfortable as you'd hope in that position. But I think for me, I don't, I don't, I, and again, it's just my opinion and people will say I'm wrong. I'm sure, but I, I don't see it an absolute desperate need for a mid season signing uh, in, in midfield or, or defense at the moment. I just think Liverpool look quite strong squad wise. I, I want to see more, of course, and what's there. Like I say, I want to see. I want to see more from McAllister in the six. I want to see him do slightly better, even though I think he's doing better than people maybe think. Uh, I want to see Endo be, you know, announce himself as a real, real squad option that can come into Premier League games. He did okay yesterday, but like I say, a bit of a mixed performance. Um, you know, I definitely want to see that, but I, I'm not at the moment looking at Liverpool thinking that they, they, they desperately have to get signings in and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe Liverpool see it in a sort of similar way. I, I you know, that's why I think it's quiet at the moment. I, I, you know, they, they can always be ready for opportunities that that you know maybe can happen. So I'm not going to rule anything out. But I, I don't get the vibe that anything's happening, and I also don't think there's a feeling that there's a, a real need for anything to happen. You know, in the summer, there's obvious positions that you think will will yeah. maybe look to strengthen. But I think it, yeah, for January, it's it's not quite desperate enough to need anything there unless something serious happens injury wise. Well, yeah, and it, it makes complete sense. Uh, yeah. We- there's always a clamour for shiny new things, but these boys are doing really well at the moment. No two ways about it. And the only other thing that sort of dominated the, the subscribers and listeners' requests was Trent news. Any news on the contract? It was kind of alluded to that things would happen, maybe talks, but it seems to have gone very quiet for the vice captain as we move into the, the two-year period. Anything developing or hearing on that at all? Yeah, I, I haven't really heard anything at the moment on that, unfortunately, which is, um, I, you know, I, I don't get the impression that anyone's really worried about it at the moment. No one I'm speaking to is sort of really fretting that he's going to go. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a, he's a Liverpool lad. He wants to play for Liverpool. He wants to captain Liverpool. He's made no s- secret of that. So I'm sure that is all going on in the background and, and talks are happening and everyone's kind of relaxed about it. I mean, it, Liverpool have good relations with his with brother Tyler, who, who's obviously his agent and, it's just not one that there's huge concern about just on the basis of who he is and the fact that, you know, Liverpool are a top club who are capable of challenging for trophies. He's playing for his boyhood team. He's doing really well. You know, it's not like he's desperately pushing to get out. So I think that's one that I'm sure we'll see that resolved eventually. I'm not, 
I'm not kind of worried about that. And I don't think anyone will want to let it get to a year out. Um, yeah. So, you know, at some point in this season, hopefully we see a resolution on that. But it is it is kind of quiet at the moment. But contracts are kind of like that. It, it, it tends to be sort of buzzing away in the background and then all of a sudden someone will tell you it's happening and uh, and then it's uh, within a day it's sort of signed. So it, it's not one, I'm, uh, you know, I'd be really worried about if I, if I was a Liverpool supporter at the moment. We'll just have to see how that one plays out. But I, I, yeah, like I say, not not any massive concern about that. So if other, you know, any of the supporters who are concerned about that, don't, don't, don't worry about it. I'm sure it'll get sorted. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's other players who are either concerned about as well. I'm sure you can imagine the questions and things that, that come in. But, Ladies and gents, we are in an international break. The City coming up in a, less than two weeks, but the Reds are second place and everything is going well. So all it really leads me to say as ever is, David, thanks very much for your time and your insight. Much appreciated. No, thank you for having me. Good stuff. And ladies and gents, that was another Media Matters. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.